Welcome to Meowcore, the podcast where I, Laura, show my cool friend Panya the music that I like, which is mostly hard rock and heavy metal. Panya, it's the Christmas episode. <gasps> it is? <laughs> There's heavy metal Christmas music? <laughs> this is the best thing. This is the best thing. Yeah, there is a little bit. We're not, we like Halloween a lot more. But yeah, we have some metal music for Christmas too. All heavy metal music is Halloween music. <laughs> That's just the way it is. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Okay. And uh, today I found this uh, Christmas edition a good excuse to play you a whole lot of Finnish people. because. How's that different from normal again? Uh, we haven't done Finnish bands so far on the podcast. We haven't. No, I don't. Are think you we saving are. them? Uh, I I don't know any seventies Finnish bands that I. Oh, like. we're just we're in the wrong the era. 70s. I see. Yeah, I guess that's the only reason. Yeah. Mm. So that's my excuse. This is gonna be mostly Finns and uh, a little bit of Dio and Naomi. Okay, so we're not doing any Billy Idol. No, we're not. Oh, okay. Uh, we're gonna go to YouTube first and watch a video called Apocalyptica Wish You a Merry Christmas. All right. Apocalyptica can wish us a Merry Christmas. Okay, here we go. Oh my. I was distracted by the earrings. I need earrings like that. Right. Oh, I think they're just oh. balls. It's just they are, but you. I mean, you can't just attach those to your ears easily. You have to actually, you know, hook them onto something. But hmm. <laughs> they must have found the lightest possible ones too. Some of those are. They can't have been real glass. Those are heavy. And somebody lost their wig halfway through the song. Oh yeah. <laughs> I forgot his name. Perto is the one on the left. Eka is the blonde one. And what? Pavo. Pavo lost his, his wig. Yeah. Eka is the one I can never tell what gender they are. <laughs> and I don't yes. think it matters, but I just can't tell. Doesn't. He is the most beautiful woman now, now that he's grown up in his four late 40s. Oof. Old. Or were they just hanging by... I don't know what they were hanging Hanging on something under the hats or under the wigs. I mean, but Eka didn't have a hat and wasn't wearing a wig. It would definitely yeah. attach to his <laughs> ears. I mean, I suppose you could have hooked them over the ears. They'd still be heavy, though. Mm-hmm. They'd still be heavy. Um, Are your ears pierced, Laura? Your ears aren't pierced. Nope. I've had my ears pierced like most American girls since I was very small, so I know all about heavy earrings. <laughs> and those things hurt if you're not used to it. Okay? Okay. But are you thinking of glass balls or something maybe plastic? Um, I think plastic. Uh, they make some fairly light Christmas ones. I'm just bemused at the fact that you can get small ones for small trees and instead they decided to go with the full size ones. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I guess with Aka's hair, you do need larger ones to be visible. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know the name of the song, I just remember it. It's Little Drummer Boy. Ah, ba-ra-ba-bum-bum. Yeah, it's, it's Little Drummer Boy, which is not actually one of my favorite carols, but uh, that, that was an excellent and slightly creepy version. Yeah, a bit low and dissident. Yeah. And also, uh, I, I imagine that when they were learning to headbang and play their instruments at the same time, a lot of hair got pulled out. Hmm. Because it would get caught in the strings or under their fingers and just, ow. Wow, I never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. You must be right. Mm-hmm. And I remember this one from... Uh... 
this odd duet that VH1 was showing me when I was a kid. It was David Bowie and Bing Crosby, I think. Yes, they did Little Drummer Boy. It is it is a classic version now of that song. Uh, but I'm still not fond of it. I'm not fond of any of these, except for the cool people that play them. I I know I'm not Christian, but there's something about certain Christmas carols, at least, that I love. And some of them are built on older pieces of music that are not Christian, and I love them for that. Mm-hmm. I have a quote for much later on that I will give that will make clearer my feelings about this season. Mm -hmm. So I will give that later. Okay. Now we're going to go to an album full of big hard rock and heavy metal uh, instrumentalists and singers from 2008. It's called We Wish You a Metal Xmas and a Headbanging New Year. <laughs> to go look up heavy metal Christmas tree now but I don't know what I'd find I'm mm. a little worried I'm something a little with worried. a lot of black uh, I mean heavy metal musicians also like flashing lights it mm -hmm. might just be a very sparkly Christmas tree it might be a very sparkly Christmas tree or you know just Dio all over it in, in his most elfish incarnation <laughs> I got this Dio elf. It's great decoration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So so we have this album. We wish you a metal Xmas. Mm -hmm. It has Alice Cooper and a lot of other cool people. And we are, of course, going to listen to the one that has Dio and Tony Iommi okay. and two gentlemen also playing bass and uh, drums who were in previous bands with Dio. This one's okay. called God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. Another classic. All right, let's listen to the metal version of God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. This is going to sound idiotic, but I think that's the first song I've listened to where I really understood how distinctive Dio's voice can be. He's in his 60s here. That's, his voice has changed a bit. But what do you mean? I think it has something to do with the fact that this is a very familiar song to me. I've heard lots of versions of this carol. I've sung this carol. And so... I'm not concentrating on the words, and I know what they can sound like in other people's voices. And so I can hear the way that he shapes them mm -hmm. and have something to compare to, as opposed to all the other music with his voice that I've listened to where it's his song. I don't have any other way. I, I don't have anything to compare to with other music, mm -hmm. so I don't, I don't understand the, the distinctiveness that he brings. Whereas with this, this is a, an old classic. I'm not sure what the date on this one is. There is, I know, a question at this date. A question as to where the comma falls in the title and in the lyrics. Mm. The, question is, the question is, is it God rest you, Mary, gentlemen? Or is it God rest you, Mary, gentlemen? There, there's a question. Okay. What would it mean if it was God rest you merry? To, to, you know, have a merry night. Ah. Oh. Like a very archaic version of have a good night. Hmm. According to Wikipedia, the oldest version dates from the 1650s. Mm-hmm. Probably the oldest song we're going to listen to today, then. Could be. This is interesting. It says the historic meaning of the phrase God rest you Mary is may God grant you peace and happiness. And it appears in a couple of Shakespeare's plays. Hmm. And the use of the verb rest in the sense of to continue to keep this way is common in language of the era. Hmm. 
And it makes sense with uh, let nothing you dismay. Don't worry. Yeah. Be peaceful and happy. Do not worry. They're not merry already. They're going to be rested merry. Right. And I think, again, I would have to dig around in some etymology, but merriness in the context that we use it today, as in uh, a boisterous kind of happiness, was not the way it was used back then. It The meaning has shifted as the meaning of words often does to be something a bit more high energy than the way that it was used at the time. Mm-hmm. We think of merriment now as, as loud laughter, probably drunkenness, jumping up and down, dancing perhaps. Whereas then it was more of a uh, a cognate to, to simple happiness. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite parts about this version is the way the Tony Ayomi makes it pretty creepy as if they are singing about the devil but the way the Dio yells at the end things like remember Christ the Savior I'm not used to that sort of phrase being yelled that way because I kind of avoided Christian metal when I had the chance to listen to it didn't want to go there We'll get to that later. We'll we'll have bits of that discussion later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go back. Going back to Finland, we are going to listen to We're three songs. Mm-hmm. We'll listen to three songs by a project named Heavy Christmas in Finnish. It's Raskasta Joulua. Joulua is Christmas, and Raskasta is heavy. So it it was started in the mid 2000s, 2004 I think was the first album, by one of the guitar players who was still still uh, in the project, and uh, he invited a whole lot of friends, a whole lot of really good musicians and uh, di- and famous metal and hard rock vocalists, to sing traditional Christmas songs. I feel mm. like that's pretty common with with Christmas albums by. By artists, it's not so much this long-standing group as it's somebody who gets together a whole bunch of his buddies and just makes this thing. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of buddies that come back year after year, and they yeah. go on tour yeah. and they record as well. It becomes this kind of traditional thing that they do. Like this is how they celebrate Christmas. They get together with these friends and make the make the holiday music. Mm-hmm. They're playing tonight, most probably as we speak in uh, Tampere, somewhere in the south of Finland. Oh, okay. And uh, it's usually heavy, it's usually hard rock, but they they don't shy away from ballads, so I, by complete accident, chose a, a few ballads. <laughs> so <laughs> That's funny, since we know your love for ballads. Yeah, it's not like me at all. No, uh, how odd. <laughs> <laughs> The first one is called uh, something about in the hay with the with the bull, okay. uh, be- because Christ is in a manger, right? Okay. When, he was, okay. when he's born, it's called Hey Nilla Herkien Kaukalon, and uh, there's a very nice video, an acoustic one on YouTube. Let's go see that. That okay. has uh, Yarko. I forgot his his. Um, surname he's a bassist and a really good singer uh, the first gentleman who will be singing with the red hair is Tony from uh, Sonata Arctica and then Yarko then JP Lepaloto and then Marco Hietala that people probably know from Nightwish are you gonna be okay looking at JP yeah I'm good okay okay because I know how I you can feel. Cont- I can contain myself okay what do you are mean? you sure yeah okay (laughs) okay i'm not gonna try to pronounce the finish here because i will destroy it so let's just go watch heavy christmas sing this song (laughs) (laughs) i like that a lot i need more of that right very nice what did you like Yes. 
No, everything. I liked the way the instruments went together. I mean, I should go look up the lyrics because I think that'll make it even better. But I liked the way the instruments went together. I liked the changing voices. And, you know, they're all singing. Each one sings a, a verse a verse and a chorus. And so you can hear the differences in the voices. And I like that. Mm-hmm. And I just, I like that a lot. It has a sort of a folkish aspect to it, but not as much. Hmm, yeah. But I have no idea what they were singing. They're singing about the the miracle baby in the manger. Okay. And how angels are proclaiming that the greatest love has arrived. Let's see. Translate to English. Okay, I see. Rakauta suurinta, greatest love. translation. Oh my god. <laughs> what the heck is this translation? Oh man. Fin- finish hard. <laughs> Apparently, some of this is awful. Wow. I mean, I can get the sense of what's going on, but oh man, this is terrible. Of course, once again, I'm I'm reminded quite sharply that the carols and the elements in Christmas carols in particular that I'm so familiar with, there's a bit of, um, I don't know what the word is, but sort of cultural centrism there because the, the translation of these lyrics it doesn't say the things that I'm familiar with in English about about that. It it talks about um, love and it talks about an innocent child. But a lot of the carols that I know are much more similar to God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen uh, and the sense of remember that you've been saved. Like there's this, uh, mm. there's this underlying kind of emphasis. Yeah. There's this underlying sort of emphasis on sinning, even at this time of year, whereas this is just about, here is this sweet child and here is all this love. Mm-hmm. And maybe that means something different to Finnish people, too. I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not embedded enough in that culture. All I know is, is my silly American culture. You are right, though. It's a, it's a very positive one. It's not about saving us from our sins and there are positive Christmas carols, um, but we're not listening to those. We're we're gonna keep listening to the heavy metal ones, and maybe next year we'll come back and do uh, a much more traditional Christmas carol episode. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or, or uh, uh, Billy Idol, or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah. know. This is why we shouldn't let my husband suggest the music. <laughs> or maybe we'll just make him present the Christmas episode next year. Yeah, I'd love that. That's what we do. That's what we do. All right, so we have we have a plan for next year. Mm-hmm. And in the middle, the uh, the guitar solo was a melody that I know as Snowman. Okay. From from Richie Blackmore, but okay. I'm not sure he wrote it. It's still. It was very nice. I liked that. And once again, Meowsters, Jana is yelling up and down the hall. Mm. So if you hear cat meows in the background, it's because Jana is Jana-ing. This is the result of hang- having a house that is at least partly uncarpeted. Is When Ketta scrims, you can hear the whole, it's all over the house. <laughs> it echoes. It's loud Ketta. Nothing to absorb it yet. Nope. Okay. Let's go listen to the next one. It's about an elf who is awake at night and he's thinking about the flow of time and how quickly it passes and how he always has things to do and he's looking at the lake which is frozen and he's looking at the woods and the people in the house are asleep and it's very quiet. It's called Tontu which means elf and it's sung by J.P. Lepaloto. This sounds disturbingly like the origin of Elf on a Shelf, and I don't like that. Hmm. That's a creepy thing we'll get to later. Alright, let's listen to Tonto. That's interesting. 
Mm-hmm. It's very heavy metal, very Finnish. And then in the middle bridge piece, they slide over into the Coventry Carol. Mm, I don't know what that is. Uh, you're probably actually more familiar with it than you realize. It doesn't really, it's not commonly done with lyrics. And I think the most famous version is Lorena McKinnett's, McKinnett's one. Um, lule, lule, thou tiny child. Bye, bye, lule, lule. That. Yeah, the, the, that's are, what the guitars were playing. But that's, yeah, that's that's their middle bit. Is They slipped into the Coventry Carol there. I wonder why. Like they did with I mean, Snowman in the previous one. Yeah, it, it's one of my favorite non-lyric uh, carols, just because the music is, is so different from what I'm used to hearing, even in folk music. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's interesting. And then this, where they... Oh, I love Marco's voice, though. This, this is this is teaching me to love Marco's voice. Mm -hmm. That that nice deep and the the lovely shifting and you know we don't often get the opportunity to really listen. At least here in the states, we're not taught to really listen to the different things that male singers, in particular, can do with their voices. The range that they can have. Hmm. Women are encouraged to sing in, in various ranges and do, do shifts throughout their range in, in a song, but men aren't really encouraged to do that hmm. in music, at least not popular radio music. You get to hear much more of it at this time of year, and of course if you're into musicals or opera or non-radio music, you will obviously get to hear a lot more of it, but radio, mm -hmm. pop music, rock music... Even with someone like Dio, you don't often get the opportunity to really hear people stretch their ranges, especially men. Hmm. Yeah, you may be right. Yeah, they are a delight to listen to. And at the end of the song, they looked at each other like, did we sing a good laulu? Yes, yeah. we did. <laughs> yeah, that's really cute. That's really cute. I wonder if Finnish men grow their hair long to keep warm in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard, though, there's no confirmation from science, but I've heard that their noses are short so that Not less air gets in. Uh, uh, so that less of the of the nose would freeze when it's really cold. Okay. Yeah, more okay. more nose, more frozen tissue. Less nose, less frozen tissue. Okay. I guess. Is that why Roman noses are supposed to be so long? Because they were in a in warm climate. they were in a warmer climate? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Now we've just got the silly. Yeah. I'm How's sorry. that different from normal, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am fascinated by these noses that they have up there. I don't know what's happening. But why did you say Elf on the Shelf? Um, so I do not know how far this, this quote tradition has spread. Uh, it, I saw what I perceive as its beginnings in my teen years where stores would advertise this little red dressed elf and he was supposed to, the parents would buy him and sit him on the mantelpiece and he was supposed to move around the house and supposedly I think he was the one reporting back to Santa as to whether the child was good or not. Oh no. And, no. I, and there's a part of me that's just like, that's really creepy. Uh, it's still a thing now. Uh, there's there's all kinds of other stuff associated with it. Apparently you can like dress the thing up. I don't. It, it always just creeped me out. And so the idea of an of a a little elf, even if it's a cute Finnish elf, watching me at Christmas time gets associated with that almost immediately. Mm. Which is very sad. Because I imagine that this is quite a cute song and the elf is not, in fact, deliberately spying in He's the not. sense of elf on the shelf as much as it's... I don't know if you do this, but like especially at this time of year for me when I'm driving out and it's very dark, I like to look in the lit windows of people's homes as we pass by and mm -hmm. catch little glimpses of their lives. 
you know, the lights that they have put up and the trees. And I don't often actually see people just because of the way, you know, the timing is just, that's so rare. Mm -hmm. But, but, you know, you can see their lit up living rooms and, and things like that. And a lot more people have their shades up to show off their Christmas lights, candles in the windows or whatever they do. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that's what this elf is doing. It's go he's going about his business and just glancing in the lit windows and seeing people's lives. <laughs> it, it seems to just talk about a moment when everyone's asleep and he's outside and he's just thinking hard about life and existential things. There's no elfing on a shelf or anything threatening. Deep finished thoughts. I don't like this. Like the like there's, there isn't enough for kids to be scared of. Already monsters under their bed, and now oh, a, a, a moving elf. And now, and now here's this creature. And I suppose if you present it correctly to the children, if you present it in a certain way, as as uh, being similar to the tradition of the Christmas pickle, I suppose. Do you know this mm. tradition? No. So there's a tradition that you buy a tin pickle-shaped ornament and you hide it on the tree. Or sometimes you hide it around the house. And, mm. and the child who finds it gets a reward. Kind of thing. And so it, elf on a shelf, if you move the elf around the house, I suppose it might become a sort of a hide-and-seek tradition. Mm -hmm. That you, if you find the elf as it's... I don't know, maybe figuring out ways for Santa to bring you the gifts. But yeah, it's there's, there's a lot about it's going to sit on the shelf and watch you that's just creepy and mm -hmm. not, not cool. Like, Santa's going to know. <laughs> but again, different discussion for later. We will come back to that. Okay. We're going to watch the, the last video from Raskasta Yolo for today. It's called Tulkon Yolo. They are in the town of Kuopio, somewhere in Finland, in a record store, and uh, you will see Marco royally uh, singing the wrong lyrics, and he'll say, Vitu, Vitu, I messed up my lyrics, and he'll start over. <laughs> That's always a fun thing, if, if the band is comfortable enough with themselves to, to say, right. oh shit, I screwed up, and try again. You know, when I was in theater, when I was in chorus, we were taught that you know just keep going don't yeah. don't stop and acknowledge that you've screwed up just keep going uh particularly actually with dance and theater we were taught this and then some of that has to do with the fact that other people are waiting on you or whatever mm. um, like with dance you're moving to a particular piece of music if you stop then the music has to stop and it was controlling the music and it's very jarring Whereas if you just keep going and get back to the bit you know, most people aren't going to know the difference. And with theater, you know, people are waiting on the line, so you just meander through until you get to the right line again, where somebody <laughs> else picks up. But if you're working with, with a good band who's playing live alongside you, then you can stop and they'll keep going, and the audience will, will feel included in your acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's why okay. I love this one. Did I get that anything close to right? Don't say the J, say Y, YOLO. Oh, YOLO. That's Christmas. All right, let's let's listen to Tulkun YOLO then. Oh, I just mangled that. Oh, well. That's exactly, that's exactly like what listening to my favorite musicians at Dragon Con on the concourse is like. It's exactly like that. <laughs> More people than is available here, than, than you can hear here because we crowd the space. But it's exactly like that with 50% of the time. Somebody has to hold up the lyrics for somebody else. Do we remember this song? <laughs> Everybody laughing and clapping and making faces at each other. It's exactly like that. <laughs> 
And quite honestly, this is what singing Christmas carols should be like. It shouldn't be standing up in a church all stiff and perfect. It should be it should be silly and laughing and passing. And maybe you can't quite remember exactly what you're doing because you had some eggnog or some raw punch <laughs> or a lot of mince pies or it's, you know, really late or really cold. <laughs> but it should be this kind of laughter and silliness. Yeah. That's what it should be. We had one gentleman looking at the lyrics on his phone and the other two were relying on Marco. Three. Because Marco's trying to rely on himself and failing. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I started the wrong verse. And and I don't I, I don't know who the the uh, the guy on the other side of Marco is. Me neither. I forgot. Uh, he's he's he keeps making fun of Marco the whole time. Like like even before they screw up, even before he screws up the lyrics, he's making fun of him, and it's great. Like this is that's how this should be, that the musicians are are close enough, are friends enough, are are familiar enough with each other to tease each other in the midst of the music like this, in a in a live performance. That's that's what live performances should be. It shouldn't be stiff and perfect. Yeah. And the other one has his hands on JP to just make just him feel comfy. <laughs> just constantly petting him and being soulful, and that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And the song starts with uh, uh, the fact that the dreary autumn is gone, and now Christmas is here, and we're very happy because I autumn was kind of dark really, and hopeless. I guess that would really be true in Finland, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then comes Christmas and you have something to celebrate. I may have mentioned this before, but that is, I, I struggle with winter. Uh, there's not enough light, but December at least is much better for me because there there may not be sunlight, but there are other lights everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, all the streets are decorated. Many of the houses are decorated. I sit in my home beside beautiful sparkling lights. I look out at the window and there's sparkling lights. Like there's there's lights everywhere as if to make up for the fact that the longest night is coming and it is quite dark. And then we take all of those down in January and February. It's just horrible because it's all gray and the longest night is over, but the days are still quite short. Yeah. And they was they were so happy you can hear it. Yeah. The, the joy in of the lyrics and the, the beginning of the chorus is Christmas is here. Yolonta. And they all join together to sing it louder. And that was something else that I quite liked about this one that you actually don't often get in uh live stage performances and you you sometimes get it in recorded music, the the difference in their dynamics. That Marco mm -hmm. is singing, you know, quite softly, quite gently, quite quite low, and then the chorus starts and everybody's voices pick up and it becomes much louder. And even you can even hear Marco's voice becomes louder, and I love that kind of vocal dynamic. Mm -hmm. I love I love the ability of people to to sing softly, intensely, and then become louder and still be intense or different. I love that, that that's an important element of music to me, not just notes going up and down a scale, not just pitch, but volume as well and intensity. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a thing that is often neglected in popular music. Yeah, I agree. It's one of my favorite elements. One of the things I practice when I'm singing in the car is the dynamics. Dynamics. Yeah. And I saw JP standing up straight at one point and he did a, he did a, a bit of an operatic low voice. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Muta historia. Yeah, that was really funny though because he was also leaning into somebody as he was doing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like singing Notice it at me. somebody was really funny. Okay. Christmas is here. We're happy. Yes. Let's listen to a, a hopeful song by Tarja Turunen that people will probably know from uh, Nightwish. It's called Dark Christmas. How is that a happy song if it's called Dark Christmas? Because she's a she's a cool goth lady and everything she does is dark. But it's still a, a very hopeful song, I think. 
Okay, okay. So this is this is the kind of hopeful song that's like it's dark now, but I see the light coming. Mm -hmm. And it is not, in fact, the light of an oncoming train. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's listen to Dark Christmas by Tarja. Did I get that right? Mm -hmm. Tarja. Tarja. Ow. <laughs> Did that hurt? <laughs> I vibrated my ears. That sounded like Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I think their influence is so big at this point that they are the new standard for Christmas songs. Uh, it could be, or it could be the other way around. She may be influencing them too. Mm hmm I don't know when they started. Oh, it's been ages now. Um, at least 30 years. At least 30 years, because That's older when than I Nightwish. remember listening to them. Let's see. Uh, 1996. So nearly, yeah, nearly 30 years exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's true that Nightwish and Trans-Siberian Orchestra are the similar kind of music. They're both that symphonic rock, symphonic metal. So that's probably part of why I'm hearing such a similarity. 96 is the year Nightwish was formed with Daria as well. So, yeah, they were probably both born out of the same kind of thing. But that's certainly... Um, the songs that I like best by them are very similar to this one with the, the slower, more etheric elements to it and the, the violins. I quite like that. Although YouTube is uh, offering me her version of Jingle Bell Rock and I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not so fond of listening to operatic covers of everything, which she's been doing a lot. Oh, but well, I chose fair. this one because it's original and it sounds really great. It does sound really great and when you pay attention to the lyrics it's actually quite good. And it's an important thing to remember at, at this time of the year in particular. This time of year is a struggle for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. Not mm -hmm. just because it's dark, but the, the emphasis on being together with family can be really hard for people who don't have the kind of family that I have. Mm -hmm. I know that I'm very, very, very fortunate in the family that I have. I have four parents. Uh, my parents separated when I was 21, but unlike a lot of people whose parents get divorced, they it was not acrimonious. It was not a fight. Uh, mm -hmm. They deliberately chose to handle a lot of things in such a way as to not hurt myself and my sister uh, waited until she finished high school that kind of thing we were never ever made to choose and in fact in many ways they went out of their way to prevent us feeling the the difficulty of the separation that I know existed mm -hmm. uh, and both of my parents will Dad hasn't bothered to tell the government yet, but he's been together with Marjorie for five years now, so I think that's pretty firm. Mm -hmm. um, so I have I have four parents, and we get together at holidays, and the biggest reason that we didn't celebrate my birthday all together this year is because my sister, my stepsister, was very badly and unexpectedly injured a couple of days beforehand. So my mom had to go down and help take care of her. And I was, you know, that was much more important than everybody getting together for my birthday. But ordinarily, we would all get together for holidays. But not everybody has a family like that. Yeah. Not everybody has parents that want to adopt all their friends. <laughs> <laughs> and that they want to see every week or every couple of weeks. I don't think I could continue to live with my parents. Uh, there are, are very strong differences in the way that we like to live our lives as an ongoing day-to-day -day thing. But 
I am lucky that I, we're still very much important parts of each other's lives. I don't know, Meowsters, if my mom is exactly the sort of person that says, oh, you're gay, I'm your mom now. But she would certainly be the sort of person that says, why don't you come over and have dinner anyway? Anyway, despite what? You're gay. I don't know how I feel about that yet, but I'm going to take care of you anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, she's still, she's still to this day a little bit bemused by my bisexuality, by my paganism. But as far as she's concerned, that genuinely doesn't change how much she cares about me, how much she wants to help me have a good life. Mm-hmm. Um, are there times when she wishes that maybe I wasn't pagan or I wasn't bisexual? Yeah. And yet, as we've talked about it, and we do talk about it, which is important, for her, the concern seems to be less, I think this is bad, and more, I'm afraid you'll get hurt because of it. Yeah, that seems to be the case for many people, many parents. It's not, oh, I think that you are a sinner. It's, it's what if other people try to hurt you because of this? And then I can't protect you. And I have to say to her, Mom, you can't protect me anyway. I love that you want to. I love that you want to, but you can't. You could have bad luck with men too. You you yeah, may not yeah. get persecuted by society for that, but yeah, and that's kind of my sister's been struggling with that. But the point is, I have great parents, and I know that not everyone does, but I hope that everyone at this time of year can find some kind of family, whether it's the family you were born into or the family you choose to be with at this time of year when it's dark and cold. She has a, a chorus in this one that says, let the brightest star of Bethlehem make your darkness fade away. And then she goes yeah. pretty secular, saying something I'm not used to seeing in the same text as Jesus. Believe the power of your dreams. You're the forest in the night, guiding us, you lead the way. Yeah. So Jesus is nice, but you believe in your dreams, and you can guide other people. Mm-hmm. And of course I got teary-eyed, because when metal women sing, I have <laughs> tears in my eyes. Laura's just overwhelmed. Laura's just overwhelmed. Women overwhelming. <laughs> and she does, Tarja has such a lovely voice. That's really beautiful. Her voice is really, oh, it makes me wonder what her speaking voice is like. Everything is very nice. Um, I want to leave the cat thing to the end because we're in the right mood. I said at the beginning of the episode that there was a quote I wanted to share that would make very clear my feelings about this season. Um, I introduced you, Meowsters, to Sir Terry back in episode two or three, I think. And, of course, I think I mentioned that one of the things that I love most about him is that he combined satire and a deep insight into humanity in a wonderful way. And you can get books that seem quite silly and laughing, and then you come to a bit like this. This is from the book Hogfather, which is in and of itself a satire on Christmas, Christmas traditions, and a story about belief. And at the very end of the story, Susan, the granddaughter of death, has helped to save the Hogfather, Discworld's version of Santa Claus, from being assassinated. And she's discussing this with Death, who made a valiant, if ill-advised, attempt to replace the Hogfather while the Hogfather was under threat. And what? <laughs> Replaced him with what? Himself! Oh, like in The Nightmare Before Christmas? Yes, with about as much success. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, if for rather different reasons. And they are discussing. And Susan says to her grandfather, What would have happened if I hadn't saved him? The sun would have risen just the same, yes? No, 
Oh, come on, you can't expect me to believe that. It's an astronomical fact. The sun would not have risen. She turned on him. It's been a long night, Grandfather. I'm tired and I need a bath. I don't need silliness. The sun would not have risen. Really? Then what would have happened, pray? A mere ball of flaming gas would have illuminated the world. And they discuss that for a bit. And then Susan says, all right, I'm not stupid. You're saying humans need fantasies to make life bearable. Really? As if it was some kind of pink pill? No. Humans need fantasy to be human. To be the place where the falling angel meets the rising ape. Tooth fairies? Hogfathers? Little... Yes. As practice. You have to start out learning to believe the little lies. So we can believe the big ones. Yes. Justice. Mercy. Duty. That sort of thing. They're not the same at all! You think so? Then take the universe and grind it down to the finest powder and sieve it through the finest sieve and then show me one atom of justice, one molecule of mercy. And yet you act as if there is some rightness in the universe by which it may be judged. Yes, but people have got to believe that. Or what's the point? My point exactly. Hmm. You need to believe in things that aren't true. How else can they become? I don't care whether or not you believe in a god or many gods. I don't care what you do during this period where the days are becoming shorter and in the northern hemisphere at least it's cold and horrible. For me, this season is about what death says. It's about believing in the things that can't be touched but are important to making us human. You have to believe that or what's the point? Believe what, for example? There's no molecule of justice. There's no atom of mercy. In the universe it's not constructed of that and yet it's important it matters and when you dig around in it with pure cold dispassionate logic there's no such thing as justice we have to believe in a kind of lie we call justice in order to be anything other than automatons and for mm. me, when I get right down to it, that's what this season is about. It's about taking the time to look a little harder for joy, for mercy, for love, for justice. At a time mm. when it's so much easier to just hibernate. It struck me very, very hard the first time I read this book. I, I put the book down and stared at the wall for 30 seconds. When Death said, you need to believe in things that aren't true, how else can they become? There are lots of different kinds of celebrations at this time of the year. Christianity was far from the first to mark a holy day at the darkest time of year. Whether you celebrate the unconquered sun, or the victory of Krishna, or the burning of a lamp that lasted eight days when it should have lasted maybe eight minutes, or whether your holy day is newer than that, like Kwanzaa. Or your holy day once celebrated the death of one king and the birth of another. Whatever it is. In the end, you look at all of these celebrations and it's about the continuance of life. 
Mm-hmm. I don't agree with a lot of things about Christianity as a whole. But the one of the underpinning elements of this season, if you set aside the white Christ, if you set aside <laughs> died for your sins, the underpinning element is love and giving and caring. And I have absolutely no problem with that moving around the world and infiltrating itself into other celebrations. Hmm. Let it be a season of joy. Let it be a season of light. And I'm sitting here like uh, some gal born and raised in communist uh, USSR. (laughs) Because uh, when I was a kid, I liked the Christmas tree and the gifts. I never thought about the feelings around this holiday. Then all holidays lost all meaning to me when I became a fundamentalist Christian. And now I don't celebrate anything. I might need to make me some holidays. I don't know. I think you should. Whatever your reason for celebrating, celebration is important. I think there are probably bad reasons to celebrate. You know, you probably shouldn't actually celebrate someone's death uh, in Mm -hmm. general. I I feel like that's probably kind of awkward and not good. But every person should find some reason in their life to make a celebration. Whether it's simply celebrating the anniversary of their own birth every year. And, you know, even if you're having a struggle... And that celebration comes down to, I made it another year. That's fine. Let's celebrate that. Let's, let's have lights. Mm-hmm. Let's, have, let's have delicious things. Let's give each other gifts. Um, come to think of it, that reminds me, one of my favorite elements of The Lord of the Rings is not often brought up, but he mentions quite clearly that for Hobbit birthdays, they don't receive gifts. They give them. <laughs> And I always liked that. I always quite liked that. One of my favorite things to do at any time of year is give gifts. I like to give things. Makes me feel I like that they have two breakfasts. (laughs) I have two dinners usually. Yeah. (laughs) And insofar as I have an author to recommend for this episode, I will recommend Tolkien. Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. Tolkien is absolutely hands down one of my favorite authors. Uh, If you've seen the movies, I recommend that you read the books as well. Uh, There are some differences and there are some expansions. And if you're slightly crazy like me, you can read the histories and find out all of the things that went into the crafting of these books. And if you're even more crazy, you can read The Silmarillion, which uh, if you That's a higher degree of crazy. It is. It genuinely is. Higher than the histories. Yes. Um, Or maybe just a different direction of crazy. I'm not sure. Uh, A lot of people find, I I hear that a lot of people find the Silmarillion difficult to read. But I never found it difficult because I ended up relating it to like uh, Bullfinch's mythology. It was in that same style. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I didn't go into it with any kind of expectation that it was going to read the same way as as the regular fantasy books. And, you know, if you don't know that part of what makes Lord of the Rings what it is, part of what makes The Hobbit what what it is, is this enormous sweeping depth of history that Tolkien himself had already created, then I think it's worthwhile to go find that out. He wrote the Silmarillion before he wrote the Lord of the Rings books? It's complicated. He wrote bits of the Silmarillion beforehand. Um, It's one of the things that, to me, makes the history so fascinating. Because the history of Middle-earth is not history books of Middle-earth. It's the story of how he came to create Mm Middle-earth. It's tracing the earliest writings following the names, the development of these stories. And so J.R.R. Tolkien began to develop these mythologies, these, these stories, back before World War I. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he developed some of them in the trenches, in fact, of World War One. And while he himself had quite a lot of Britishly impolite things to say about people who attempted to turn his writing into some kind of allegory or metaphor, it's certainly true mm-hmm. that you can look through his work and see how those wars, how fighting in World War One, sending his sons off to fight in World War Two, how that affected his outlook on the world. Hmm. But the truth is that at heart, what Tolkien was, was a philologist. He was a linguist. He was professor of Anglo-Saxon. He helped work on the Oxford English Dictionary. And the entirety of the Lord of the Rings, the Silmarillion, what I call the Matter of Arda, was born out of his desire to, and his belief that any language grew out of history. So he was developing these languages, and he they needed a history. So he built one. <laughs> That's where they came from. It, it really has nothing to do with, I want to tell a fantasy story. Although it's true that some he used to amuse his sons at bedtime by reading them bits of what he'd written and inventing stories for them. But no, he created this because his elven language needed a history. And he, he started wanted, with the language, and then he, he imagined did. the world. He did. Uh, nice. He wanted explanations, historical explanations for why there were multiple variations of Elvish, why there was Quenya and Sindarin and Teleran. He wanted an explanation for later on the language of the dwarves, for and and that is entirely why the world began. Uh, some of it was later developed uh, in a different way when he and C.S. Lewis challenged each other to write specific kinds of stories. Um, and C.S. Lewis's version or response to the challenge later became his space trilogy, I believe. But Tolkien never actually finished his. Uh, it is, in fact, incorporated into the mythology of the Lord of the Rings. And there are some brief references within the Lord of the Rings itself. But he never actually completed it, and it was never properly published by him. And the single biggest reason that no complete version of the Silmarillion or any of the other books except The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings was ever published by Tolkien himself is because he was never satisfied. Oh. It was never finished enough. And the publishers, at least for The Silmarillion proper, were never sure it would sell. But if you read through the history of Middle-earth, you find that he was constantly changing it. There are multiple versions of various stories, including that of Baron and Luthien, which Aragorn references. Um, some of them differ very little from each other. Um, some of them differ quite a bit. And admittedly, this is one of the reasons why I love Tolkien. It is a wonderful reminder to me that it's okay to put the writing down for a while and come back to it later. It's okay to be continually reinventing it. It's okay to have silly reasons for writing a story. Um, it's okay to never quite finish, to be unsatisfied that if this brilliant author who is referred to incorrectly as the father of fantasy can have these struggles, can, can rewrite and review and revise his work for his lifetime and never quite be satisfied, then it's okay for me too. Mm. But you have to reap some love in your lifetime too. If he had published them, he would have reaped some love. Possibly. Possibly. It's If you dig around in the history of the publication of The Lord of the Rings, it sold reasonably well when it was first published, but its true popularity didn't come until later. Didn't come until the 70s when the counterculture picked it up 
and we had groups like Led Zeppelin making songs based on it, that kind of thing. That was when it truly became popular, and let me see, let me see. He was either dead or near death at that point. Yeah, he died in 73, so he never actually saw the height of popularity of his works. He, he never actually saw it become what it has become. He was not alive for that. When did Led Zeppelin three come out? But it, it was at the end of his life. It would have been at the very end, and I sincerely, deeply doubt that he ever would have heard or even known. That was far away from the kind of music he would ever have wanted to listen to. He was a very, very traditional British kind of professor. Both of their songs that I remember having a, a bit of a talking team came out in 70 and 71. So maybe, maybe. Maybe someone told him. He probably knew, but I, I doubt he ever listened to them. Uh, I know a lot of people object to Tolkien because they say he's too descriptive, he's too wordy. And while I don't agree with you, I accept that you, you see it that way. I still think if you are a reader of speculative fiction, it is worth plowing your way through The Lord of the Rings once. Do it once, get through, go through all of it, uh, take the time to admire the turns of phrase, take the time to, to notice all of the, the interesting um, historical bits that he never quite develops there. Think about the, the different names for things, the languages that they speak. I think it's worthwhile to do it once. Even if you're not like some of us who reread the thing every year. I think I'm about due, <laughs> actually. Uh, so, yeah, I will give you, for Christmas, I will give you my very favorite most author. And to finish up, since we swapped some things, let me tell you what Miss Marari did this morning. <laughs> so, generally speaking, you know, we keep cat treats all around the house and most of the time these days we buy them in plastic boxes because what I have is a house full of thieves mm -hmm. what I have is a house full of thieves but some treats don't come in plastic boxes and I don't make the effort to move them into a plastic box I might ought to do that given somebody's adventures this morning yes I had bought them a small bag of made by nacho uh, salmon treats and the girl cats at least think this is the best thing in the world and it's this little semi semi-plasticky bag um, not particularly tough and so typically I keep them up high on a shelf on my desk when I'm not actively giving kid as treats I must have left it on my desk last night after treating some kitties because husband found it this morning all chewed to bits <laughs> with holes in and pulled open and a fluffy kitty continuing to gnaw on the bag <laughs> he showed me the bag later yeah it was it was all bitten up it was it had like four holes in it that they had winkled the treats out of i'm pretty sure jonna helped her um, they were doing it under the Christmas tree. Uh, I, I'm really not sure why, but they're very fond of sleeping on the tree skirt that I have. It is a very soft skirt, uh, but they're very fond of sleeping on that. And the skirt was all rucked up and rumpled. There was clearly there had been an epic battle to get these treats out. <laughs> Did they eat all the treats in the bag? Uh, there were, I think, two left in a corner that they couldn't get to that, that husband showed to me and said, so who do I give these to? And I said, well, the girl cats have had their share and the boy cats, for some reason, don't like the tuna. So I told him to take them downstairs and give them to Stormlight, who obviously had not participated in this nonsense. Yes. 
Justice. There is justice in the universe. Uh, yes. And you served it. Yes. Uh, yes, we have. To, this is how you have. You must believe in justice or else how can it become? We have made it. It has become in our house. The thieving kiddos do not get more treats. <laughs> and now Miss Marari is curled up in the top level of the cat tree, looking indeed very smug. And swinging her tail at me like she is the most innocent of kiddos. Successful hunter. Apparently. Little thief. And I asked her this morning, did we not feed her enough? And she just licked her nose at me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> licked her nose at me. And so now, if I buy them any more of the Made by Nacho treats, I'm going to have to get a Rubbermaid or Tupperware or something to put the treats in so that if I should accidentally leave them on my desk again, they won't get stolen. Are you sure they cannot open a Tupperware container? If they can open a Tupperware container, they deserve the treats. That's how that works. <laughs> okay, it's not like chewing a bag <laughs> open. It is not like carrying the bag off and chewing it open. If they can open the Tupperware container, they deserve the treats. It is made for bigger hands to deal with, yeah. It is, and if I seal it up properly, they do not have the leverage. I know there are cats with thumbs in the world. They do not live in my house. <laughs> so, yeah. That was that was the adventure of the furballs this morning. And they have had their Christmas reward two weeks early. <laughs> like the little thieves they are. But they will probably still be bringing you uh, toys for treats. They will. They will, and probably when I go out tomorrow, I will buy them more nacho treats and put them away somewhere. Because, after all, I'm a sucker. <laughs> so I guess that's all we have for the Meowsters today? I think so. Uh, whatever holiday you celebrate at this time of year, I wish you joy of it. Uh, listen to heavy metal holiday music. <laughs> Grow your hair out and decorate with lights. Take care of yourself by decorating with lights. <laughs> <laughs> Let yourself have sweet treats and extra hugs. And even if the sun doesn't shine, the world is still a worthwhile place. In bits and pieces, we just have to assemble them together so they can become bigger. Mm -hmm. And for me, uh, I could advise you to get some Christmas decoration out and hang some on your ears, like Apocalyptica did. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and remember to take your pills if you have pills to take. And uh, we'll see you next time. Happy holidays, Meowsters. Bye-bye.